We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In the hands of Waiters, three seconds left for three in the win. Yes! Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen back with Alex Barutha. We are presented, as always, by WinBet. Go to winbet.com. Check out everything they have to offer. We are elated, Alex, to be partnering up with WinBet uh, going forward uh, with, with a lot of our NBA content. I want to start with last night's games. Um, we're going to try to do more of these shorter podcasts through the playoffs to just you know uh, avoid situations where you know, we're going two or three days without... Um, being able to recap a lot of the action because everything moves so quickly. Um, a, a, a lot was going on last night. Uh, part of it simultaneously, because we had the two biggest games of the night, the two games that were close and certainly mattered the most, happening at the same time. Uh, one in Phoenix, one in Los Angeles. The the Mavs-Clippers game was staggered by about a half hour. But for most of the night, you know, you're flipping back and forth. You're setting up a second screen to keep an eye on both. Uh, I'll give you the floor. Which one do you want to start with, Lakers-Suns or Mavs-Clips? Um, let's start with Mavs clips because I caught like the fourth quarter of that one, um, okay. after the Lakers game also unforgivable, the scheduling of these games, um, the, like <laughs> a half hour between these games is not enough. Uh, I, I don't know why you couldn't start the, you know, the Suns Lakers game like an hour earlier, but I digress. Right. I mean, you, you have um, to worry about the local starts, you know, both of these are in, are in the Pacific time zone. So I, I understand that to a degree, but we've. We've seen the NBA pull some stunts before to to allow you know viewership to be maximized for these games, and and one of them was on NBA TV. I would imagine most people were watching the conclusion of Lakers Suns before they they fully flipped over. Um, but I, I don't want to spend too much time complaining about the schedule. Let's let's yeah, go on yeah. Mavs clips. Uh, so Mavs clips, yeah. I uh, wow for the Clippers. This is I, I I picked them to win this game because I thought this is pretty much a must win, um, based on. You know, their their finish last year uh, based on losing game one, continuing to get torched by Luca. And guess what happened again? They gave up 39 points, seven rebounds and seven assists to Luka Doncic. Now he had seven turnovers, which is obviously not a great number, but he shot efficiently. And like Porzingis had a good game. Tim Hardaway Jr. popped off. They tried doubling Luka Doncic. You can't doubling Luka Doncic is pretty much like doubling Jokic. Like you just can't do it. He's too good. 
and you know Patrick Beverly is getting exposed in a way that I'm worried he's not going to get a real job in the NBA ever again. Um, and yeah, I just I nobody is really stepping up for the Clippers. You know, like Leonard and uh, Leonard had 41, Paul George at 28. Reggie Jackson had a nice 15 off the bench, but those were the only three yeah. players that scored in double figures. Yeah, I mean, to, to have a game where both Kawhi and Paul George show up, and and PG was one of seven from three, only got to the line three times. You can nitpick if you want, but he had 12 boards. He had six assists, uh, turned it over just twice in 40 minutes. You know, Kawhi had maybe his best, like, wire-to-wire game, certainly his best first half of the entire season. Like, he was locked in from the start and, and was super efficient in this game. Um, but, but defensively, you know, the Mavs were hitting a lot of shots. They were hitting a lot of deep threes, uh, you know, ones that as the series goes on, you, you wouldn't expect Tim Hardaway to go six of eight. Um, you know, Porzingis had a, had a couple of laughable shots that went down in this game. Um, you know, Dallas was at 53% from the three point line. So there are some things that were maybe a little bit unsustainable, but overall, I thought the quality of the looks that they were getting, you know, some of them, like I said, were, were a, a foot or two behind the line, but they weren't really contested. You know, like there, there weren't a lot of situations where the shot clock's running down and you just you just have to throw something up. Um, it, it seemed like, you know, the Clippers, when when they did run to double Doncic, were just kind of reckless about it and, and not really worried about what was going to happen if and when he eventually passed the ball. It, it was a just kind of a, a, a strange game defensively, I, I thought, from the Clippers who, you know, they shot 54 percent. From the field, we just went over the the Leonard and George, and and you're right about Reggie Jackson. He played a really good game off the bench. You know, for for those two guys, especially Kawhi and Paul George, to play that well and to still lose this game, you know, not handily. It, it was close in the final two minutes, but Dallas controlled this game for most of the fourth quarter and most of the second half. Like the Clippers were playing from behind, despite Kawhi Leonard going off in the first half. Yeah, and you mentioned kind of the loaded three point percentage for the Mavericks, but they also went 13 of 24 from the free throw line. Like they, they were awful weird, there. Weird night for Doncic at the line. Yeah, I mean he's he's not a great free throw shooter. He is kind of LeBron esque in yeah. that way, where there are going to be some like five for thirteen performances where you're kind of like this very odd. Um, yeah, I mean this is this is awful for the Clippers. It's just it, it's kind of ironic, you know. The the thought was like the Clippers assembled maybe the best perimeter defense in modern basketball history, right? And I'm then they favorite. get torched. On paper, yeah, that's what I mean. And then just for two straight years, they're getting torched by Luka Doncic. And it doesn't matter who they put on him. And their perimeter defense just really is not because not really a factor. Um, so here's yeah. here's the question. Is it is it Luka or would the same thing in, in maybe a slightly different fashion? Like, would they also have crumbled against Denver or Portland or, you know, if the Lakers had ended up getting that six? Like, was this inevitable either way? Or is, is Luka just such a bad matchup for this team specifically and if so like it's really strange that they they you know seeked out this matchup and wanted to play Luca even after he kind of did this and, and ultimately wasn't able to pull out the series but I mean this is exactly what he was doing last year I know and I mean they, they did get destroyed by Denver last year that happened too right I mean it's right I I just don't know what's going on with this Clippers team it's it's kind of it's just baffling I at this point it's hard to imagine like Damian Lillard not doing this to them uh and I mean, one thing I noticed, I mean, I, I watched the fourth quarter pretty intently and like the, I mean, you, when you switch over from the Phoenix versus uh, Lakers game to the Clippers Mavericks game, the energy of the crowd for the Clippers was like sleepy. Like they had, zero no, I, they have zero home court advantage. Like I know it's kind of like a meme where it's like, there are no Clippers fans. I'm not sure there are. Like there were like moments in the fourth quarter where like Kawhi Leonard's making huge shots. Um, yeah. Other people on the Clippers are stepping up and like they, it's really not that loud. They cut to the crowd and like 5% of the people are standing up. It's like, <laughs> it's like people don't, people who are there don't even care about it. And part of it's a capacity issue. I think there were a lot more fans in Phoenix than there were oh, yeah. uh, at Staples Center. So that's part of it. But no, you're right. Like the, we've, we've seen other arenas where you only have like 30 to 50% capacity. And it sounds like, a full playoff game because everybody in there is engaged. You know, you would think if you're going out of your way to buy tickets to a still pandemic season playoff game, like you're a diehard fan. And it just didn't really seem like that was the case uh, for these Clipper fans. Like there, there really wasn't an advantage. And I think that's going to turn on its head when this series goes to Dallas, because not only is the capacity going to be quite a bit higher for the Mavs, but I mean, that team, I, obviously I, I think if, if you're a Mavericks fan, you 
there's there's some level of animosity for one losing to this Clippers team last year and then having this team basically pick you as its first round opponent and then to come back you know come back home up 2-0 in the series I I, I don't think the Clippers are necessarily going to roll over just because even though there's not like a ton of urgency you know like at the end of the Lakers game you had KCP which this started in like the second quarter KCP just didn't want to shoot he started passing up open threes and he's like one of 11 from three for the series so I get it but you you see as as you know TNT I think it was or whichever channel this game was on goes to commercial LeBron is like in his face yelling like I need you to shoot you have to shoot that with the Clippers like when there's a when there's a bad turnover or when something goes wrong or rotation is missed there's maybe just like a couple sideways looks and everybody just kind of jogs back on defense. You know, like, I, I don't know who's grabbing everyone and saying, look, we need to get this basket here or we're going to lose this game. And when, when something like a Doncic blow by happens for the third time in five possessions on Pat <laughs> Beverly, everybody just kind of looks around and says like, well, I guess there's nothing we can do. Yeah. They do seem to lack an actual leader. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's a problem with like a Kawhi Leonard led team. Is that like, he is just, He's just not that guy. Like he's going to, I, he just, you know, when people say he leads by example, that's great, but there's really only so much you can do. Like at some point you do have to like talk to people <laughs> and like yell at them. Right. Nobody's uh, asking you to, to go in the locker room and, and, you know, recite a 10 minute rehearsed speech or anything. Like just say something, like give any indication that you care about what's happening. Yeah. No one's asking you to punch a chalkboard and break your hand or anything like that. And um, then play through it the rest of the series and then reveal that it was broken. Exactly. And so like when, when Kawhi learned, I mean, he won the title with Toronto, but that was like, that was Kyle Lowry's team, right? right. That he, he wasn't really the leader of that team. So it was, that was fine. I think this is kind of becoming an issue. And Paul George isn't that guy either. You know, Paul George isn't a, a, that kind of step up leader. And like, normally I don't like to put uh, a, a heavy amount of stock into the theory that like every team needs some in, like super vocal outspoken leader but i think in the clippers case this is a very extreme example of there being a complete void in the leadership of the team and i think this is an issue that when stuff got brought up at the end of last season between like montrez harrell and i think lou williams you know there was kind of stuff coming out about the like the members of the og clippers team that i think they were the eighth seed right the the year before quiet yeah. langard and paul george came there I think like they, those, they played the warriors right yeah, those OG Clippers guys didn't like the kind of stuff that was going on when Kawhi and Paul George came. And I think it's, they might end up being the ones who are right. Uncle Dennis needs to step up. All right. It's <laughs> been a while since we've heard from him. And now is his time. Everything is on the line. Um, I, I did find it interesting in the final couple minutes of that game that like Dallas is like, hitting huge shot after huge shot. Like Luca was fantastic. I did have a couple crazy turnovers. Like, all seven of those turnovers were like ridiculously bad. And a couple of them led directly to dunks. Um, Despite losing this game, it felt like the Clippers had like five dunks in the last two minutes that were totally uncontested. Like Dallas is hitting shot after shot. They were playing no defense on the other end. Like they were, they were kind of in this like run the clock down mode where, you know, they would bring it down to five, you know, under five seconds, basically hit a shot and then just let the Clippers immediately score again, where it, it felt like this game should have been wrapped up to me a little bit sooner than it was. Yeah, I mean, the, the Mavs almost let this one slip away. Um, yeah. Like, I, t- I turned it on, and I was like, this feels over. And then all of a sudden, I was like, I think Clippers are back in this. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's kind of the moment that I realized the crowd was silent for the moment. Not silent, but, like, yeah. the energy in the building was just, like, not there. And I think maybe that's a moment where the crowd does come into play, where it feels like the momentum <laughs> is shifting, and the crowd kind of starts to wave. But, um, yeah, I do, th- I do think you're right. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think... Dallas at home is full capacity and I think it's close yeah yeah I think (laughs) for them yeah I think that I think that's going to be pandemonium you know I think I think I think the Mavs fans kind of smell that the blood Mm -hmm. here and they know that Doncic just completely has the Clippers like in the palm of his hand what's up guys are you looking for a new contest to play during the 2021 NBA playoffs if so try fantasy fives new free to play NBA contest. It's simple. All you have to do is pick one player to beat their fantasy point target from each of the five games. If all your picks are correct, you can win a share of the $5,000 jackpot. Other guaranteed prizes are also available if you finish atop the weekly leaderboard, including an official NBA kit. Make the NBA postseason more interesting. Go to fantasy5.com today. That's fantasy, the number five.com to enter your picks today. 
So Dallas was up 114-101 with just under seven minutes left. That was when they really went on on their run. Porzingis hit that deep three to put him up 13. And right after that, like th- that's when the defensive lapses really started for me, where I just could not believe, like, the I don't know if it was lack of effort or just, you know, kind of trying to look ahead and just get this game over with. But they go Marcus Morris three, Paul George dunk, Marcus Morris three. And all of a sudden it's a five-point game. And a, a couple minutes later, it was a little over three minutes left, Kawhi came down and it just took a very unkawhi like shot. Like he, he got a rebound, came down and just pulled up for three on the wing right away, bricked it. And, you know, Dallas gets the rebound and is able to run another basically 30 to, to 40 seconds off the clock. And that to me is when it felt like, OK, Dallas really has this in control if they play it smart the rest of the way. I don't think they played it all that smart, but, you know, the Clippers also didn't play it all that smart and, and it ended up being fine. I, I have no idea what's going to happen going forward. No one does. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and just bury the Clippers or, or say the Mavs are going to sweep. Um, it's just it's so hard to get into the head of a player that we never hear from in Kawhi Leonard. You know, like after the game, it's it's Paul George's quotes are the ones that are being spread around social media, which were extremely bizarre, as expected. But I, I don't know. Like, for all we know, Kawhi Leonard has his eyes on Miami and he's fine just playing this out. And it's going to be, you know, LeBron against the Celtics in 09, where, you know, it, it's it just, you know, kind of the series just kind of dwindles and that's that. I also would not be shocked whatsoever if we're coming back to LA for game five and it's two, two. I mean, maybe they signed Luke Kennard cause they knew Kawhi's leaving. They need someone to step Dude, up. We uh, need to talk about that. $64 million DMPs in games one and two. Okay. Next season when he is starting and Kawhi Leonard is elsewhere, you will be eating those words. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that what would have to happen for him to live up to that contract? 20 points a game. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I, <laughs> we'll see. It's possible. Uh, yeah, 20 points a game, lead the league in three point percentage, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Kawhi, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard being a free agent is going to start really hanging over. I, I think it, I think it already is really hanging over the franchise at this point. I, I know that maybe they feel confident because he clearly. I think I think some of the reason he's on the Clippers is because he just wants to be in L.A. And so I maybe they think like he's not going to leave L.A. He wants to live here. He's just going to stay with us because he wants to be here, um, which is I mean, that's kind of horrible. But I don't know. I what's going to improve for them if he stays and Paul George is already locked up like what, you know, I'm sure they could do this every year. Right. Like they could they could be a conference finals contender in theory every single season because the talent's there, but like, there's just, there's going to be no enthusiasm for the team ever at this point. It's bizarre. Yeah. It, it reminds me of kind of the end of the second LeBron Cavs tenure where, you know, not only was LeBron kind of halfway out the door, but the team had gone so all in for those final two years, especially that last year where, you know, they're making these just extreme desperation trades. Jordan Clarkson is starting finals games. Rodney hood is playing in the NBA finals, things of that nature that even if LeBron said, I want to stay, I like, how, where were the improvements coming? You know, I think a lot of people almost empathized with him, ironically enough, based on, you know, previous decisions in his career. But a lot of people were like, look, this team, for one, the team on the court isn't good. And for two, there's not a clear path to this team improving. Like we get it. You want to go somewhere else where you have more flexibility, better roster around you. I, I don't know that Kawhi would be extended that same sympathy just because of how this team came together how this team talked, you know, when it came together before last season uh, and and the just massive failures, you know, that that look like they're going to be coming to fruition for a second straight year. But I, I don't know, like if you're just evaluating it from a pure basketball standpoint, I don't think a lot of people would be like, you, oh, he has to stay like he's not going to find a better spot. Like there, there are going to be multiple potentially better locations for Kawhi Leonard just from a, a pure basketball standpoint. And, and obviously there's a reason that people keep bringing up Miami at the top of that list. Yeah, because Miami already has the leader, the vocal leader in Jimmy Butler, right? Like he can kind of step in again and not have to, you know, be that guy. There's no void to fill there. It's just a talent void, which is, the, again, that's the perfect spot for Kawhi Leonard, right? He doesn't have to feel, fill a leadership void. He just has to fill a talent void. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's. I think that's going to, I mean, it, it's not inevitable that that's going to be his role moving forward, right? Because he could very well stay with the Clippers, but um I don't know. This this could end up being like a, a very weird kind of if he leaves, this this is going to feel like a strange kind of blip in NBA history. Right. Like, oh, remember when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were on the Clippers for like two years together? Right. 
Yeah, it, it is going to be strange. And, you know, the alternative is, you know, obviously, if you have to choose one or the other, you're choosing Kawhi. And if, if Kawhi says, get me somebody else, get Paul George out of here, who's that guy? Because you, you, could, you could still trade Paul George one for one for another star, but you're not getting anybody who's definitively better than Paul George. I mean, you would they be better off, you know, trying to turn Paul George into like two or three good players and building more of a, you know, superstar centric team that has better role players? I, I don't know. And then, you know, you have the 60 plus mil for Marcus Morris and you have the 64 mil for Luke Kennard that we just talked about. Like those things are going to significantly hamper how you build this team for the next three or four years. Right. And I don't even, I mean, Paul George isn't, I don't know. I don't think Paul George is super tradable at this point. I don't think you're getting one for one for Paul George. <clears throat> He's 31. His contract goes through. He has a player option in 24, 25 for $49 million. And hmm. his last four years in the playoffs, he's 42% from the field, 33% from three, um, you know, 23 points a game. But it's just like, I don't know. Who wants to marry themselves to Paul George? Well, who's point? the best player you could get in exchange? Like, I mean, are, are we talking like the Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris tier? Maybe. Like if you're the Knicks, would you even trade Julius Randle for Paul George? I don't think so. Uh, I culturally, no, you can't do that. No, right. Like on, on paper, like I, I personally would rather have Paul George, but that would be like an absolutely wild move to do after this year. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you couldn't do that for this year. I agree that Paul George is better on paper, at least I think. But it's yeah. uh, I mean, this is this is kind of where we're at, like with with Paul George. Just like he's a he's a great right. potentially number two guy. Um, but I'm it's thinking not out right now. Could you flip him for Jalen Brown? Could you flip him for Bradley Beal? I think that's like the absolute top of the list as one of those guys. And and I don't know that Boston or Washington would even do that. I don't think they would. If I'm if I'm Boston, there's no way I'd trade Jalen Brown for Paul George. There's a there's a good chance Jalen Brown is better than Paul George like next season. Right. Right. And with Beal, I mean George and Beal are closer in age, so maybe that makes more sense. But I also I think you're like both teams just come back right where they are. I think those guys are like super even. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, Paul George is probably better on D. Brad Beal's a little bit better on O. I, I think that's just a wash for both sides, and they probably look at each other and say, why are we even doing this? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation because you also can't go the rebuild route. You know, you're not going to flip Paul George for two first round picks because that's I mean, that's not helping you when you have Kawhi like there. I mean, the solution is turn things around and win the series. If you, that that changes everything. Right. And all of a sudden, the outlook is completely different. If you don't do that, we're going to be having these conversations for the next five months. Well, if you don't have Kawhi, you might have to rebuild because your kind of salary, your yeah. salary situation is awful between mm-hmm. Paul George, Luke Kennard, Mar- uh, Marcus Morris. You just don't have any money. It's absolutely ridiculous to me, by the way, that the Clippers have never even made a conference finals in their franchise history. This, this is slightly off topic, but like that is preposterous. They've, they've been around since 1970, never even made a conference finals. It's one thing not to make the finals, not even make the conference finals. That's pretty tough to uh, in a in a salary cap league. That's a tough. Uh, that's tough. It's different in like baseball or something, right? Where. Right. There's there's no cap and you know the Yankees can make it every year and smaller market teams are like never going to exactly um, 
but yeah, I mean, you have when you're the Clippers, you're a big market. You have every chance. I know the, you know, the ownership situation, you know, prior to Steve Ballmer played a role, I think, in some of that, but kind of unbelievable. Yeah. And still, all you have to do is win two playoff series. (laughs) How many teams, I I was thinking about this last night, how many teams, and I, I know the answer. Like, can you name the teams that have not made a conference finals since 2000? Like the vast majority of the league has made it to a conference finals in the last 20 years, let alone the last 50 years. Yeah. I mean, it's like Minnesota, right. Is one. They made one with KG. Did they? Yeah. Oh man. I don't even know if I know the answer to this off the top of my head. Charlotte. Charlotte is one. Um, Washington. Washington, I believe is correct. Yeah, that that has to be right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like even Sacramento's done it. Think about that. Yeah, I know. I was Sacramento was the first team I thought of, but then I remembered against the Lakers. I will say uh, Washington has not made a conference finals since they lost in the finals in 1979. So that's that's a pretty wild streak too. Yeah, they're they're in a bad way. Well, hey, maybe the Paul George for Bradley Beal swap that's just faded now. <laughs> All right. I think this is uh, our cue to start talking about the Lakers game. I noticed that we have not even referenced Celtics Nets. We could get to that maybe at the end. That was as big of a bloodbath, I think, as we expected to see maybe in game one. But we'll touch on that a little bit. I I, I was not super encouraged by how the Lakers played in this game. I will say it did seem like the way it was being officiated, uh, which ultimately ended up looking fairly even 31 to 30 free throws in favor of the Lakers. But this one early on, like anytime Anthony Davis was contacted, he was getting a foul um, that helped him get to 34 points. I, I feel like this is the most misleading 34, 10, 7 and 3 ever. Like it really did not feel like Anthony Davis played well in this game, but the final line looks great. Yeah, I mean, I thought he did a good job on the defensive glass, but like I you're right. I, it was there's too many fouls there. I mean, you know, 61 free throws is too many. Something yeah. is it's just not good officiating, in my opinion, when that happens, unless the teams are like just clobbering each other. I this performance was still so the Lakers did what I thought they would do or hope they would do. And they I thought they came, I thought they came out with better energy. It seemed like they were a little more frantic yep. playing with their backs against the wall kind of energy. But at the same time, it also worried me that the game stayed this close until the very, very end. And Chris Paul only played 23 minutes and was barely shooting. So the Lakers kind of did what I hoped they would do, you know, played more aggressively with mm-hmm. some urgency and barely pulled this out with Chris Paul playing again, yep. like half the amount of minutes he normally would. I mean, Cameron, but they couldn't, they had no answers for Cameron Payne. Yeah. They once again were just blindsided by, the Suns role players like the, the the gap between what the Suns were getting from guys like Cam Johnson campaign McCall Bridges um you know even I thought even Torrey Craig only played five minutes but was effective in those five minutes like the the bench minutes and the like the just in general role player minutes have been so slanted in favor of the Suns like Caruso was a disaster again uh Horton Tucker was horrific he only played six minutes and, and didn't play at all in the second half um I mean Kuzma's completely broken he's given them nothing through two games we did see Marcus Gasol, who, who had a couple key threes. I, I thought Gasol was out there way too much. I mean, he played 20 minutes. I like him being in the rotation. I think he should play probably somewhere between 10 and 14, especially when Andre Drummond actually played really well by his standards he did. in this game. Gasol was getting toasted on defense. Like, it was unbelievable. And there, there were a couple times where he was he was raising his hand or patting his chest like, that's on me, that's on me. Like, it wasn't it wasn't like he was just out of position or he got a bad switch. Like, he just can't hold up. And, and it's not like Andre Drummond is a vastly better option in that regard. Um, but I, I thought I thought Vogel left Gasol out there on an island a, a little bit longer than he needed to be. Um, I mean, KCP completely broken at this point. Uh, he's 0-4 from three. All four of those completely wide open. Uh, hit the side of the backboard again, second game in a row. Um, I, I do think the Lakers win this series, partially because who knows what we're going to get from Chris Paul. But I think you summed it up perfectly. I kept having to remind myself throughout the second half, especially like, Oh, Chris Paul has been on the bench for 20 straight minutes. Yeah. Like the Lakers, the Lakers are treading water right now. They're, they're hitting these, you know, they needed some insane shots from LeBron down the stretch to, to win this game. And, you know, Chris Paul, I think was like actively hurting the Suns when he was on the court, you know, like I, I think you, you, you barely squeaked out a win against a Chris Paulless 
Suns team. And that, that to me does not bode well for maybe not the rest of this series, but, you know, looking at round two, round three, and potentially the finals. Yeah. And you mentioned it. I mean, I, I don't even, Kuzma, when he's out there, it's like, I don't even realize he's out there until he has the ball in his hands. And uh, then he, you know, he, he only, he took, he's one for four in this game. Um, yeah. I, DeAndre Ayton, the, the thing that was sta- I, it kept standing out to me was DeAndre Ayton wide open dunks. Just yeah. he pass it like they, the, he was 11 for 13. And I think uh, 10 of those might have been dunks. Like he was just standing under the basket with nobody around him for passes for like, again, like 13 shots. Um, I have no idea how that happened. Um, I wasn't like rewinding to go back, but I mean, you mentioned how Marcus all can't laterally move anymore. He just, he doesn't, his body doesn't work like that anymore. So, I mean, that's part of it. Um, well, here, here's the thing. They're blitzing Devin Booker and it's leading yeah. to just it, whatever, honestly, what it reminds me of is when those LeBron Cavs teams used to play the Warriors and you have to double Steph and all of a sudden Draymond Green is rumbling down the lane and just dumping it down to somebody for a dunk or kicking it to the corner for an open three. Like, should they be doing this to Devin Booker? Like, look, I love Devin Booker. He's really good. He's not James Harden. He's not Steph Curry. He's not Kevin Durant. Like the links that they're going to force the ball out of Booker's hands. I just don't think it's worth it. Like it's leading to such high quality shots all over the rest of the floor because you're, you're playing three on four in the half court. And like you said, that's like Aiton is what 21 of 23 shooting on the series or 21 of 24. <laughs> I think like, seriously, I think he's he used 10 of 11 in game one. It's not like he's just like, you know, pulling out the, the dream shake and just hitting these crazy fadeaways over Anthony Davis. Every single one is a dunk or a lay-in because a guard has a, a, a basically a two-on-one and is able to to go up and then wrap it around, hand it to DeAndre Ayton, and he dunks it. Like it, It's crazy to me that they didn't switch up the scheme, and it, it almost burned him again in game two. Well, and Devin Booker still got his. He, got, he had 31 points. Yeah, it's not even working. 17 free throws made and attempted. He made yeah. all of his free throws. And yeah, I mean, it's like, to some extent, I, maybe any big man could do what DeAndre Ayton did sometimes, but DeAndre Ayton's like, he he is great in the screen and roll. He does have really good footwork. He does know where to be, right? So we have to give him credit for that. And he earned his 22 and 10 without question. I thought Bridges did a good job too against LeBron again. I, I don't know, man. I just thought the Lakers, I thought they got lucky with how they play at the end of the game. I yep. think, I do think this, like the Suns kind of fell apart. I think they did lose their composure. Um, and I think the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers were clutch. That was kind of it. Like they made their clutch shots, but yeah. I think, I think they got lucky. Honestly, I think this was, this felt to me, this felt like a loss for them. Um, mm-hmm. and it certainly I, felt like they were going to lose it like midway it, through the fourth quarter. It, it really, like LeBron is starting to just do his pull up threes. Like he has no interest in attacking the basket. Like it, it really felt like this was going to slip away. And there's a, there's a fine line between, like you you want to re- reward LeBron and reward AD for being clutch. Like it's not like it's not like these, this was Cameron Payne hitting these shots, which I mean he was he had himself a night. But like that's just kind of what LeBron does. Like I, for me, it's like that's just part of his profile. You kind of have to expect it. It's it's not like this was an aberration from him. But to me, it's like it shouldn't have come to this. You know, you were up 15 at one point in this game, and then they just completely fall asleep on defense. Cam Johnson's hitting back to back threes. Um, they just I think they're going to win this series partially because Paul is hampered, but it, you know, if you're, if you're a, a team that is is super motivated coming in as a seven seed, you know, is, is favored to, to win the conference. Like you'd like to see a, a little bit more dominance and it doesn't have to be wire to wire, but like they don't even have, they haven't even had like a four minute period where they've looked like the Lakers of last year. No, I mean the only, they won two quarters, the first and the third, they won the first by six, but they only won the third by one point. So like they're not like you mentioned, there's no quarter where they came out and just, um, just, you know, just punch Phoenix in the mouth. It was close basically the whole time. Um, I, I know you you have confidence that they're going to win the series. I am I'm almost more worried than I was before, even though it's one one. Um, and you mentioned Chris Paul. I mean, that's I think at the end of the day, that probably is like the key factor, whether or not Chris Paul can give the Suns, you know, 35 good minutes because you can't keep expecting this from Cameron Payne. Um, but if Chris Paul is healthy or can get, find up, you know, be healthier, then I'm, I'm definitely worried for the Lakers. So Josh Eberle 
uh, retweeted a stat from a Suns writer, Sam Sam Cooper, uh, a, a Blue Wire Pods guy. I don't I don't know if he must do a Suns podcast, but that's beside the point. His tweet was LeBron James' percentage of field goals attempted within five feet of the rim in in his last five playoffs, 2016 playoffs, 51% of his attempts come at the rim. 2017, 47%. 2018, 42%. 2020, 47%. 2021, 17%. Uh, And it's only two games. He's coming off of an injury. I I would imagine that that number will probably be in the 40s if the Lakers win this series and and continue to advance. Um, But it's it's noticeable. You know, LeBron, both him and Davis have no interest in when they get the switch. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, what the campaign, you know, switched out onto them a couple times. More, More often than not, it seemed to be Cam Johnson those guys have no interest in getting to the rim and, and attempting a contested layup or even doing the the typical LeBron playoff mode, you know, back down from the wing, you know, seven hard dribbles into a, an and one finish at the rim. Like they didn't even try it. It, it. AD, especially to me, just looked confused. You know, like he, he's kind of sizing up Cam Johnson. Like, I know I should be able to blow by this guy for a dunk. And then the possession somehow ends in like a ridiculous 12 foot fadeaway. Yeah, LeBron's lack of aggressiveness is extremely noticeable that's been the main thing for me it's like he's he's playing like he's kind of quarterbacking it like he's not really participating in like trying to get to the basket he's just like he's kind of just out there floating and making good reads like he does and like hitting some you know he occasionally hits that turnaround jumper he hits his threes but yeah i mean him him his declining rate at going to the rim it's been it started since 2016 17 like every year he he maxed out at 52% of his shots at the rim in 15-16. It's been going down about 2% 2 every year since then. Right now he's at 39 in the regular season. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he is injured still, but I I've never seen I I've never seen LeBron play like this before. It's so tough to say because like five minutes into the game he you know grabs a an AD alley oop pass that was probably a little too high and throws it down like very it was really reminiscent of remember that that uh i think it was 2016 finals where you know i think lebron like pokes it away falls down kicks it to Kyrie, and then has that just massive one-handed dunk like it was a vintage lebron play athletically jumping off the left ankle like everything seems to be fine physically i just i just wonder and, and anybody who's played basketball at any level it's like if you take you know two full months off basically and just try to play right away like even if you're even if you're technically healthy and you don't have pain, like it, it does take a while to kind of get your body back into the flow of things. So I, I don't know, maybe maybe he's still doing that, but like we haven't heard him. Like he's not, it's not like he's icing his ankle when he's getting out or he's getting it worked on or anything. Like I think the ankle's healthy. I think it's just going to take some time for him to get back into the groove. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I took six months off and then I, you know, during the pandemic, the first game I came back, I felt like I got hit by a truck the next day. Yeah. Um, so I I'm sure. I mean. I don't know. I, I just need to see more from LeBron, which is something I was never expect. Like not not in the typical way that like we say that. It's just mm-hmm. like he is he, he's just incredibly passive. And it's uh it feels like we're watching a version of LeBron that I thought we'd be watching when he was like thirty nine, not thirty six. Yeah. Which is also crazy to say that like for most players, this is the version you'd get at like thirty three. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is so disappointing that LeBron looks like this at 36. <laughs> uh, I will say, though, if if the Lakers, the Lakers shooters are so bad, and this is the second straight year, we said this on yesterday's pod, the second straight year that they just did not address this issue. Like Kyle Korver was out there all year. He is not retired. Why is he not on this roster? Like, I, I think we would feel a little bit differently about it if KCP doesn't go 0 for 4 on wide open threes, if Kyle Kuzma's not 0 for 2 on wide open threes. Wes Matthews, Caruso, THT. They're a combined 0 for 6, all of those wide open. Um, like the Lakers would have had a much bigger cushion throughout this game if they hit even like three or four of those. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, in the series, the Lakers are shooting 28% from three. Um, I mean, the Suns in the series aren't even that great from three either, 32%. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, 20, yeah, that's, that's awful for them. Um and I, it, it, you know, and when LeBron's not driving to the basket, it's just harder to get those shooters open in the first place, you know, because they have to run a, a lot more like off ball stuff. So um, it's kind of I think it's I think it's kind of a vicious circle where teams aren't respecting the the Lakers three point shooters. So they're more willing to pack the lane 
And LeBron's not being that aggressive. So even when he does drive to the lane, you know, team's not as worried about him and there's a wall already up and nobody can get open. So I, I think it's, you know, their, their offense is kind of, I mean, their offense is basically in shambles right now. Their, their offensive rating is a hundred through two games or sorry, 112 through two games. They're averaging a hundred points a game. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough for them right now. Watching Davis last night reminded me of when the Cavs would just like force feed Kevin Love early on to try to get him going. <laughs> and it was just, it never worked. Like, especially against Draymond, like he would just like, you know, kind of try to body Draymond up and, and throw up like a crazy right-handed hook that would bang off the backboard. Like Davis is, is lost. Like you could tell, like he hit a couple big threes and, you know, as he's running back, you can see him kind of talking to himself. Like, what am I, what am I doing? Like I, it was bizarre. And I, I think Davis can only, only go up uh, maybe not numbers wise, just because the final, the final stats did look really good, but Anybody who watched that game, um, you know, I, I don't think you came away being like, yep, Anthony Davis is back. Um, and, and obviously we just went over uh, how we feel about LeBron. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I want to see I want to see Ben McElmore. I want to see probably no THT. Uh, I, I'm done with Wes Matthews. I hated that signing at the time. It's, it's been a disaster. I don't know. I mean, at this point, like nobody else can hit a shot. Like, why not? Why not dust Ben McElmore off for five minutes? Go in there, launch up a couple corner threes. That's what he's there for. Why not? I mean, you're like you mentioned, you're not getting you can you can easily replace those, you know, the four minutes you got from Morris, the four minutes from Matthews, the six from Horton Tucker. Yep. Something's got to change. All right. So I'm looking at series correct score odds, which is basically X team to win in X number of games. And what do you think is the current favored outcome for Mavs Clippers? Um, Mavericks. In five. Mavericks in four. Plus two seventy-five. That's shocking. I mean, wow. I guess I mean they won two games on the on the road. You know, I think I think I think people are reading into um I I think people are definitely willing to bet that, you know, just the bad vibes coming off the clippers. I think that's yeah, only the, available the to people in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. The special Special odds for people in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, geographic betting. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's Dallas in four is the most likely outcome. And then at plus 300, you have Clippers in seven and Mavs in six. Yeah, I mean, I'd be more inclined to bet Mavericks. I have no, I would have zero interest in betting Clippers to win this series. Just I don't think they'll win the series necessarily. Okay, like if the Clippers lose game three, there's a 1000% chance they're losing game four. Like this is not a team that's going to be like, all right, let's, let's salvage some pride here, guys. Like that, they would probably lose game four by 50 points. If they win game three, I, I, they're a front running team. Like I, I think if they could just get a little bit of internal momentum, I, I definitely don't think the series is over. Like the, the talent disparity to me is still there. Even if Luca has maybe emerged as the best player in the series, I, the Clippers might not know how to put all their talent together, but I, I think on aggregate, it's still quite a bit, it's just a better team than, than what the Mavs are rolling out. It is. Yeah. I just, uh, I, again, I, I, even if they win game three, I, I, I just can't, I don't have faith in them. Lakers sons, uh, favorite outcome is Lakers in six and then Lakers in five Lakers in seven sons in seven. That feels a little I, too Lakers heavy. It does, but I think they're, they're pricing in Chris Paul's injury. Yeah. Um, which I think matters. I like, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would bet on the Suns. I, I wouldn't bet on this series, not knowing what Chris Paul looks like in game three. Yeah. I mean, we, we did say on Tuesday's pod, like, I, I don't, I have no idea what a stinger is. I thought Chris Paul would look a lot better. I was shocked at how limited he was. Um, I mean, it was, it was clear from the start that like, I, he was just never comfortable out there. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't, he was like deliberately not shooting at first, and then he took a few jumpers, yep. and then he basically got pulled for 20 minutes. Yeah, it was a just a, a bizarre uh, set of circumstances for the Suns. And I mean, if, if they end up losing the series, there's going to be a lot of people that say, oh, it, it would have been different if Chris Paul was healthy. And that, that's very well true. But unfortunately, history just doesn't really look too kindly on stuff like that. Like a year later, people will, will forget, you know, that Chris Paul was probably limited. Yeah, I mean, that, that happens a lot. It's just, uh, yeah, because you never know, right? Like you, even if he was healthy, you just there's no way to say like, oh, they would have won. It's just one of those yeah. things that there's there's no way to like make a there's no way to like make a fair argument for it. So we just kind of move past it. Do you have anything on Celtics Nets? 
Uh, it was fun while it lasted um, for the Celtics, I guess. Was I mean, it, was it? I don't know. No, it, it was a terrible season for them, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, Tatum getting hit in the eye, having to leave the game. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, like, once I saw the tweet that was like, Jason Tatum, you know, leaves the game, I was like, well, series is over. Like, without even knowing whether or not he's going to play in game three. Um, I mean, they were they, down like 35 at the time anyway. You are not going to beat the Nets when you cannot get someone to score 20 points. No one on the on the Celtics scored 20 points in this game. Marcus Smart had 19. Okay, and that's the wrong guy to have 19 points. Um, so it's yeah, this is done. Yeah, that one was over before it started. I, the only takeaway I really had is like, I, there's a chance that this has been a multi-year long con by Blake Griffin, who had multiple monster dunks <laughs> in this game and looked like this is the best he's looked athletically in two years. Yeah, I think, um, well, he's also, I, I think playing 20 minutes a game helps. I think taking yeah. that extended time off probably helped. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, good for him. I, I wouldn't want to be in, in Detroit with that roster either. Yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm, I'm certainly not looking forward to this likely matchup with Brooklyn in round two. I, I just... I, I, like we said on Tuesday, I think the Bucks match up about as well as you can, given their personnel. I think they're going to give them a fight. But you watch a game like last night, it's just like, like nothing's going to slow down the Nets. I, I just don't like you could take away maybe two of the three, but you're still having an all world scorer, uh, you know, as the other guy um, to, to carry things. And, and when you talk about taking away, like, you know, the Nets are able to basically take Jason Tatum out of the series because there's no one else you have to worry about. If you're if you're quote unquote taking Kevin Durant out, he's still probably getting 27 points on 55% shooting. You know, like it, it's it's just really hard for me to see if the Nets are healthy. It's hard for me to see a path to them losing, especially in the East. Yeah, they're not even playing like they're they're not even playing like above their heads or anything. Like they're 47% no. from the field, 35% from three. Um, and I mean they're limiting the Celtics to 40% shooting from the field. So. Uh, yeah, they, they can play better than this, which is terrifying. Yeah. And I, I think they will when they have to, I mean, they, like you said, it, we we're still on what, I think less than 10 games with all three playing together. Uh, this might've been 10. Okay. Yeah. Either way, the point stands. It does. All right. Let's finish out with some quick picks for tonight's games. We have wizards at Sixers, Hawks at Knicks, Grizzlies at jazz, uh, not exactly a, a thrilling slate tonight, uh, especially relative to to the uh, the drama that we had last night. Wizards Sixers is a throwaway to me. I, I, I'm full disclosure. I will be going to the driving range after work and will probably not be watching that game, uh, hoping to catch most of Hawks Knicks. And then I'll, I'll definitely be clued in to uh, Grizzlies Jazz later. But what, what are your picks for these three? Well, I'm going with the 76ers in the first game. Um, second game. OK, I'm going to say I'm also taking Utah. Atlanta, New York is tough. Um, well, hold on, hold on. Let, let's let's mix it up here and at least throw some spreads in. Uh, let me let me pull some numbers okay. up here. Uh, Philly's minus eight at home against the Wizards. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'd lay the eight points. I think yeah, I, I think they just were not trying in game one, and uh, the Wizards had their chance and they lost it. I think it beats kind of an insane game. Yeah, I'm with you there. Eight seems too low. Seems like a, a slight overreaction i think to the wizards hanging around probably longer than they should have in game one hawks are two-point dogs at Ooh. madison square garden i think i'm gonna take the knicks here um i i still think the hawks will win the series i'm sticking with my prediction but i do think like i think there were some things on both sides or i, I think there were some things for the knicks like julius randall's not going to play this bad again but also like yep. alec burks is not gonna play this good again I think I think Tibbs Tibbs is a good enough playoff coach to me where I think a game two at home is uh, when the game was close in the first place is a good spot for them to bounce back. Yep, I, I said the same thing on the DK show this morning. Like I I think you obviously have to factor in some major regression for Burks. Uh, Derek Rose is probably not going to play quite that good again. Um, but Nerlens Noel also missed, you know, a lot of the a, a lot of the stretch run in that game. Uh, if he doesn't play tonight, that's going to be a major issue for the Knicks. But it does seem like he's probably trending in the right direction. I I, I just think like Julius Randle not being the worst player on the court is going is going to carry a ton of weight 
for the Knicks because it, it like the Hawks played a, a good game, maybe not a great game, but it, it all like it felt like the Knicks did not play a good game. At least the the players that they usually can depend on didn't show up. So I, I feel like the Hawks could probably play that same game, and if the Knicks just play like five percent better, they probably win. I'm with you. I think that's a, usually a recipe for success where it's like you see a team play badly and the game is still close, um, kind of like Milwaukee in game one, where it was like they were right. just ice cold from three and they're like, this is a bad game for them. And yeah. they still won. Um, so I think I think you're right. I think that's the kind of formula here. So the number for the late game is up to 10. The Jazz are 10 point favorites with Donovan Mitchell back in the lineup. Boy. Um, dang. I think I'm going. I think I'm going Grizzlies plus ten in that case. Oh yeah, let's go. Hop on. Uh, I'm with you. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I think I, to me the Grizzlies. Uh, I feel like they're too good to get like absolutely blown out. It might happen. You know the Jazz are that good, but the way they play, um, I just wouldn't bet on them to lose by ten ever. Right. I, I think they've. They've shown enough just in the last week to convince me that they're right. not going to go away easily. And I guess at the end of the day, like I wouldn't be shocked if the Jazz go back to looking like the Jazz and they hit 21 threes and, and you know they're up like 70 to 44 at halftime. Like that's definitely in play. But I, I just everything that we've seen from the Grizzlies over the last couple of weeks implies that I, I don't think Donovan Mitchell coming back all of a sudden Memphis is like, oh, we have no shot. Like there's nothing we can do now. Like. You know, they also think there's a chance that Donovan Mitchell's not 100%. Like, there's a reason that he was held out of game one. Like, I know he wanted to play, but the Jazz medical staff, like, it's in their best interest for Donovan Mitchell to be on the court, and they did not allow him to play in that game. So do we know for sure that all of a sudden, you know, after after being pulled from game one, that three days later, all of a sudden he's 100%? Like, I don't think that's a given at all. And I mean, based on the defense that like I've seen Dylan Brooks play against Steph Curry, if he plays that kind of defense against Donovan Mitchell, who's let's say 85% healthy, that's that could be a rough game for him. Um, and if you can take Mitchell completely out of the game, then it's going to stay close again, I think. Right, and I I think Donovan Mitchell having him back is obviously a boost for Utah, but I, I just think there's a chance that he's extremely rusty. You know, like we're, we're talking about what LeBron James looks like after missing a bunch of time. Like Mitchell's basically missed about that same amount of time when you factor in the play in week and, and missing game one. Like it, I just, I just think 10 is a pretty big number for a team that kind of got spanked on its home court in game one. Yeah. I'm actually a little surprised at the optimism. Like I've seen a lot of sports books with Mitchell's points prop at 25 and a half. I'm not saying it's an automatic under, but maybe slight minutes restriction, the Dylan Brooks treatment. Something yeah. I've never thought I'd say, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mitchell ends up with like 14 points. Yeah. Equally shocking is you saying the phrase, the Dylan Brooks treatment, and me just like silently nodding to myself. Like, like yes, <laughs> I understand what that means. Yep. All right. Good note to end on. Thanks for doing this, man. Uh, we'll be back. Well, I guess you'll be back for sure on Friday, depending on what happens tonight. You know, if, if something wild goes down, maybe we'll do a quick one tomorrow as well. But uh, we'll keep these rolling out throughout the playoffs. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.